Welcome back to another episode of After the Siren podcast. I am your host, Nisha Hapel, and I am so, so excited for today's episode. Coming up, we have got absolutely everything and more for you today, and I just cannot wait to get stuck into it. But um, first, before we do, I just wanted to give you the uh, the life updates. Everyone's wondering how Nisha's going, and the answer is not good I have COVID and I've also managed to infect my whole house and housemates with COVID. So, um, yeah, it's uh, everyone's hating on Nisha Week, but um, I don't care because I've got so much going with the podcast at the moment and um, you will definitely not want to miss today's episode. So coming up, we have got obviously top footy moments. They are back. We have uh, finished off round two of AFLW and the top footy moment is... It's so hard to choose this week. There's probably three or four that I could go for, but um, I've narrowed it down to two, breaking the rules a little bit, but I can't choose between them. We've also got our news stories, some feel-good stories, some not-as-good stories, um, and then we have also got our first official player interview with Lauren Brazali of the, the Carlton Football Club. Believe it or not, I have had the most wonderful chat with Lauren, and I can't wait to share everything we talked about with you guys and hopefully you really do enjoy getting a little bit of an insight into what it's like being one of the game changers at the Carlton Football Club and um, hopefully you can all listen intently into that but we may as well get stuck straight into today's top footy moment now if you would like to share your top footy moment with us you can do that via our Instagram you can do that at after the siren podcast Um, send us a DM and we'll definitely be sharing some top footy moments as they start to roll through now I don't know if anyone else was busy on Friday night but if you weren't you should have been watching the Richmond Melbourne AFLW game on Friday night it was one of the highest quality games and that's why My two top footy moments are both coming out of this game. Now, if you know, you know, and it's the Monique Conti goal for me. Yeah, it's... I'm lost for words, honestly. The way she was able to just completely stroll out of a pack and, you know, it's like no one could touch her. And she takes, you know, three, four, five steps and kicks a goal from, you know, on the run, 40 minutes, 40... 35 metres out and uh, bends it through to perfection. It was, I think, the the commentary around it has been poetry in motion. Now, if that wasn't enough, we have also got another goal of the year contender out of that same game coming from young gun Alyssa Bannon of the Melbourne Football Club. Now, in that game, um, she took the ball and uh, ran it down the wing and uh, absolutely burned off any players that tried to catch her and did it all on her own for this one, um, took a couple bounces and absolutely punted that goal through. Now, it was a D's victory by 16 points in the end, but honestly, one of the, the highest quality AFLW games to my memory. Um, so I definitely would recommend if you haven't already seen that game, do it. You're doing yourself a favor and you honestly... We'll have no complaints after watching that game. Um, Top-notch entertainment. Now, we'll get straight into our news stories for the week because we've got a few coming up. And I wanted to start off with the feel-good story of the week after, obviously, some devastating news 
that uh, lots of injuries came out of last week. I don't want to focus on that straight away. I want to focus on the unofficial, official Press Parkers Cup that took place at on Saturday evening against Carlton and Geelong. Now, if you know, um, you might know the name Madison Press Parkers. She is an absolute young gun, a, a league best and fairest winner. Um, for the Carlton Football Club and she took on for the first time ever her younger sister Georgie who plays for the Cats now it's the first time they've ever versed each other they've been on the same team a few times but never against one another and in this first instance it was Maddie that took home the chocolates she got the 29 disposals and was very very close to best on ground there was a couple to contend with but um, Georgie had a bit of a tougher trot out. She collected 15 disposals and also an absolute whack in the face. Now, you'll hear a little bit more about uh, Lauren's perspective of watching this, but it was quite amazing just to see the camaraderie between the two sisters and definitely one of the feel-good stories to come out of the week. Now the Blues took home the chocolates by 14 points and an official Press Farkas Cup was awarded to Maddie at the end of the game. And just in a post-match interview, you could see the emotion and you could see how important it was to the two girls that they had the chance to, to run out as opposition. Um, but also, I guess that kind of notion stretches right into the AFLW with friends and family and sisters playing against one another. And um, these two girls are so talented and so young that we're going to see this Press Parkers Cup, hopefully, for many, many more years to come. Now, a little bit of, I guess, more unfortunate news for our second story. Demaro has handed out three one-match bans following round two of the AFLW. So the Gold Coast Ellie Hampson has been handed a one-match ban for her dangerous tackle on West Coast's Grace Kelly. West Coast Emma Swanson has also been handed a one-match ban. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's the COVID. Uh, she's been handed a one-match ban for her dangerous tackle on Kalinda Howarth from the Gold Coast Suns. And GWS's Tate Mackerel has been handed a one-match sanction for a crunching bump on Docker Dana East. Now, the Giants tried to contest this call and, and took it to the tribunal, but the decision was upheld there. It was quite an interesting one because um, there was no free kick given at the time. It was not called high. It was not called rough conduct. It was not called any of that in, in the moment. But um, I guess GWS were pretty uh, shocked to hear that she was getting a one-match ban. And it's quite interesting if you do look at the bump. It is off the ball, but it's off the ball because Dana East was tapping the ball away. And um, Tate Mackerel came in and, with great physicality, um, chose to bump. And the bump was definitely high. But I'm not sure I'm in total agreeance with this new AFL protocol about high contact bumps off the ball. We'll have to see how that one plays out because, um, yeah, I don't necessarily think that one merited a full one-match ban. Probably agreeing with GWS's decision to contest it. But, um We'll have to wait for another week to see Tate Mackerel back out on the field. I'm sure this one's going to be really frustrating for her to overcome. Um, and the final news story of the week is, I guess, uh, kind of half-half. It's a little bit of good news, a little bit of, you know, news. So if you uh, have followed the podcast, you will know that 
Chelsea Randall, the Adelaide captain, has had her fair share of, of injuries across the time. And um, it looks like she has avoided serious injury. What looked to be a nasty hamstring injury has uh, the crows are hopeful that scans are only going to show a low-grade hamstring injury. So it may only be a couple of weeks on the sidelines for Chelsea Randall. Now, the, the crows chose to take her off in the fourth quarter of her contest and they put her on ice. And the crows ended up winning that contest by 13 points. Now it was a really, really, um, you know, sh- you know, shatter- uh, shattering sight to see um, Chelsea Randall go down, and we know that you know it was really highly publicised that she sat out of the AFLW Grand Final last year due to concussion protocols that had just recently brought in. It was the first time we really saw that take an effect, and. Um, yeah, it was really hard to watch in the season before she sat out having a full knee reconstruction. So we wish that Chelsea can get back into it as soon as possible. And um, obviously don't want to see uh, the best players sitting on the sidelines with their leg up on ice. Now, I don't know about you, but I cannot wait any longer to get straight into this interview with Lauren Brazali of the Carlton Football Club. Now, a little introduction for Lauren. She is one of the inaugural Carlton players. She pulled on the Guernsey for the first time in Carlton's very first match against Collingwood in 2017. She was drafted uh, with Carlton's eighth pick overall and pick number 62 in the very first AFLW draft. And she gives me such a great insight and gives all of us such a great insight on what it means to be one of the first women to play AFL and also the significance of Pride Round, which we are coming up to. It's been fantastic to see AFLW celebrating Pride Round as uh, they do every year, but it just keeps getting bigger and better. And she she spoke about the impact that that has within the four walls of a football club within the week. And um, yeah, I, I'm so grateful to Lauren for sharing her time with us today. And uh, let's get stuck into it. This is just a quick note to say that due to COVID and isolation, I can't record in my usual studio. I am instead recording from my home and it is uh, affecting the audio slightly. So just keep that in mind throughout the interview and throughout the episode. Thanks, guys. listening I have been teasing this for a little while but I have finally gotten a player on and I'd just like to throw over to Lauren from the Carlton Football Club Um, Lauren would you like to introduce yourself and tell all of the listeners a little bit about um, you and and, uh, yourself as a player and and also outside of football Yes, so um, my name is Lauren Brazali. I play for the Carlton Football Club. This is my sixth year, going into my sixth season at the club. So I am very honoured and humbled to be part of the inaugural um, draft back in 2016. So, yeah, I've been playing at Carlton for six years, which I'm also very honoured and humbled to be able to still be playing there. And outside of football, I am a PE teacher and I teach 
prep to year nine, PE and health. Um, so in the footy season, got a little bit going on, but I honestly wouldn't change it for the world. Absolutely. It sounds like the most full-on time of the year, um, especially with the added component of COVID and that um, absolutely taking effect on your fixture last week. Um, now, before we get too deep into the footy, something that we do on this podcast every week is we ask for a top footy moment. Um, usually, I would pick something from the previous round gone by, but I'll leave it completely open. You can pick a top footy moment from any point in your career that you'd like to share with us. Um, I think it would be really authentic coming from yourself. I think still to this day, there's a few, but top footy moments still to this day is running out for that first ever AFLW game um, against Collingwood. Just no one knew what to expect. Us players certainly had no idea what to expect. We were hidden down in the bunker at Icon Park and had no idea that it was a sellout, that people were being locked out of the stadium and couldn't get in. So to run out on that first ever night. I still get goosebumps and shivers now when I talk about it. It was just incredible. You couldn't hear yourself think when that when we ran out and the roar erupted, the roar when the first bounce was thrown. It was just absolutely incredible. And I was so honoured to be a part of that game. Yeah, I, um, I've spoken about that game a little bit on this podcast because I was lucky enough to be one of the fans that got through the gates um and spoiler I'm a, I'm a mad Carlton supporter as well so um I think just knowing the effect that it had on me and I, I brought my mum along and she doesn't really follow football at all but she said she wanted to be part of history so I dragged her through the gates as well and knowing the effect that that moment had on me I can't even imagine how much more or the impact would have been for you guys like just being at the center of it all it, like I can completely resonate with the goosebumps and hair standing up on your arm sort of stuff but um, yeah I guess that's a perfect segue into I guess wanting to talk a little bit more about the footy side of things and being I guess the the game changers as they call you guys and I wanted to know a little bit about where you get your inspiration from considering that you are the first of your generation. You're the first AFLW players to come through the system and it's quite hard to find inspiration where you can't actually see something. It's not like something that you can visualise. So I wanted to know how you, I guess, ended up um, being drafted to the Carlton Football Club and becoming that first group of AFLW players. Yeah, it's still, I suppose... Growing up, we never had this dream to play AFL. I mean, I have three older brothers, so I grew up following whatever they did and they played football. So they went to Auskick and played junior football. So as an annoying little sister, I'm the youngest, I just copied whatever they did. So when I turned five, I went to Auskick, then I started playing junior footy at the same club as them. And then when I was 12, I wasn't allowed to play anymore. And it never really occurred to me why I wasn't allowed to play because I was still taller than the boys I could still run out with the boys so I stopped playing footy at 13 and then I started playing soccer after that because I'm pretty active I couldn't really sit still so as soon as one sport finished um, I started another sport and then when I went to uni I went to RMIT and there was in my PE course there was a lot of girls at that 
um, uni that did uni games. So the likes of Steph Jocci, Lauren Moorcroft, Shay Audley, Millie Barden. Um, we almost had a dream team of AFLW players that ended up being drafted. So I did uni games with them and they all played at Diamond Creek. So after two years of uni games, I went across to Diamond Creek Football Club and I played a few years there with the Creekers and from then on just sort of was almost in the right place at the right time when the draft came along and was yeah lucky enough to be drafted in 2016 so it I'm so grateful for the Diamond Creek Football Club for being there essentially the pioneers the clubs like Darabin, Diamo, Melbourne Uni they're the pioneers that were able to get women's footy to the standard that it is that it is now and for girls to be able to dream to play AFLW. Yeah, that's such a fascinating story of how, I guess, you came to be in the system. I know that they like to, uh, I guess, romanticise a couple of the stories of, you know, people coming across from different sports and it's been so fun to follow, but I just like learning that about every player that doesn't always get, I guess, pushed into to the media spotlight. Um, and I guess um, in terms of where that inspiration came from, is that all mainly through your brothers and anything else? Or did were you a keen like footy supporter at all for the, for the men's at all? I was sort of keen. I just sort of followed my brothers, but I just, I loved footy. I loved playing the game. I loved that it was, it was so different to soccer. Like when I got to soccer, I wasn't fantastic at soccer. I just sort of played it like I played football, just kind of hip and shouldered people and, but there's no game in the world like AFL. It's so much fun and the different tactics, fitness and everything that you need for it is just, I suppose, the motivation to keep me going. Yeah, I tend, I tend to agree with you there that there's nothing quite like footy, even just from a, a watching perspective. Um, now, in terms of uh, what's currently happening around us, we've got Pride Round coming up this week, which is obviously a really really big deal in terms of what AFLW brings in terms of progressiveness and uh, a community level I spoke a lot about um, Darcy last week on the podcast and what they've done for the game just uh, opening up and and sharing something that they don't owe anyone Um, but I just thought it was the perfect lead-in to have a conversation about Pride Round and and what the feeling is at the club leading into Pride Round and what does it really mean for the the whole playing group? Oh, yeah. I mean, Darcy's announcement just shows so much courage, strength, and everyone is behind them at the club, but also just the entire football community is behind them and just so proud of Darcy and the person that they are, just phenomenal person. But being a part of this is our fifth consecutive Pride round against the Bulldogs and it's just really, really proud to be a part of it and just the inclusive, the inclusive, oh, I can't even say that word, <laughs> inclusion that AFLW bring to every community and every person is just, it's so amazing. And to be able to have this round now that is celebrated across the whole of AFLW is just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Definitely. And I've seen the wonderful Guernseys every year that uh, get created. Um, and I know that more teams are getting on board with, um, you know, doing their pride inspired Guernseys. Um, are you able to tell us a little bit about the Blues Guernsey for this round coming up? Yeah. So our Guernsey was designed by Carlton Pride 
group, which is a group that's affiliated with the Carlton Football Club, and it represents themes of the LGBTQIA plus community and AFLW stories um, relating to growth, journey, struggle, and strength. So I'm so proud to wear that jumper every year. And it's every year the designs just keep getting better and better and more inclusive. So it's a really great jumper to be able to have and sort of for years to come to be able to reminisce on each design that we've had each year. Yeah, it definitely is something I always look forward to as like a little extra component of Pride Round. I know that a lot of the um, teams have been pulling on already Indigenous jumpers throughout the the season so far, which I found, you know, adds a really nice touch um, to to any uh, outfit when they run out and uh, just have a little bit of something different uh, outside the usual club jumpers to put on um I want to bring everything back a little bit um to the team and you've obviously got some wonderful players around you and wonderful leaders and I just wanted to get an idea of you know who you look up to as probably one of the more senior players and who you kind of lean towards for advice and then also if there are any of the younger uh, girls that uh, I guess you have taken under your wing and helped along the way as well yeah, definitely. I mean, I was always sort of under Alison Downey's wing. So she was one of my great friends from Diamond Creek as well. And we were lucky enough to play five years at Carlton together. And just, I always looked up to her as not only an athlete, but just as a human in general. So always looked up to Alan now that she's at Collingwood this year, obviously when, once we got um, junior Elise O'Day from Melbourne, she's just her leadership and the spark that she brings to our football team is phenomenal. I've never experienced a player like Junior. She's so positive, just always has your back and always does the team things, which is just so incredible. So definitely look up to June. And oh, under my wing, I don't, I don't think there'd be many players <laughs> under my wing. I sort of just definitely look towards Georgia G. She's just so silky when she gets the ball watching her is just sometimes even in the middle of the game you just think how did she pick that up (laughs) it's just phenomenal and the likes of Grace Egan just in and under put her body on the line week in week out Um, just look towards those players look up to them as well I might be older but definitely look up to those players they're incredible what was it like to play against I guess not directly against but uh, on the opposing team to Alison Downey the other week then yeah, it was it was quite funny. We um before the game, the week leading up, we sort of had an unspoken rule where we just didn't speak to each other. And it wasn't anything that we discussed. We just neither one of us contacted each other during the week. Um and then lining up against each other was quite funny. There was one point where we got into like had to tackle each other and we sat a little giggle because it's just there's no malice or anything at all. So yeah, no, it was it was funny lining up against Al, and I was happy for her that she had a fantastic game. Yeah, well, I guess you probably would have experienced that with a number of the the girls that you listed, um, or the ladies that you listed, um, even just playing like uni games with, and then lining up against them. And I think that's one thing that is really peculiar about AFLW is because everyone just entered the competition, you know, at the same time six years ago you've gone from having some teammates and friends and then they've just been dispersed everywhere. So is there any like contest that comes to mind maybe outside of the very first AFLW game that you've 
just really remember clearly and that was probably your favorite game to play in just because of the contest or the people that you were lining up against? I think still in that first year, I feel like a lot of the Diamond Creek girls got drafted to Carlton and a lot of the Darabin girls got drafted to Melbourne. So we still sort of had that competition of Diamond Creek versus Darabin, even in that first ever year. So probably that first ever um, Carlton versus Melbourne game, I think they got the better of us in that game, but we still have that competition in there for sure. Definitely. But yeah, m- most people in AFLW, it's such a small community that everyone is friends or everyone is playing against someone that is an ex-teammate or a great friend so I think that's something that is really special about AFLW. Yeah it doesn't always seem that way out on the field but I'll take your word for it. (laughs) Yeah I think I can definitely sense that there's a really good companionship between everyone that sets foot out on the field and a real good level of respect which is I guess very important when you look at what you are all doing in in the grand scheme of you know women in sport I know that myself growing up I was a very I was a competitive swimmer and there's obviously lots of you know fantastic female role models that are already in swimming and just being able to look up to them and knowing that like the girls that are 10 and 12 and I know this has been repeated and I think it's worth being repeated that the girls that you know were used to be told to stop playing footy at 10, 12, like yourself, that they now have the AFLW to look up to and go, no, I'm not stopping now. I'm not stopping till I get there. And I think that's really important. Um, now, I think I want to talk a little bit more about the playing group and this season and how you're feeling about everything because obviously you've got one win on the board after the uh, the match on the weekend against Geelong, which was very exciting, um, very good for all those people like me in isolation at the moment to uh, enjoy that and sit back on the couch and bring a smile to my face at least. Not sure about all the Geelong supporters out there. Um, but how are you feeling coming off the win and what's the the morale like around the club just after uh, the success on the weekend? Yeah, great. I mean, winning always helps morale around the club when you've got to go in um, for recovery and review. It makes it a lot easier. But it was great to get the first win of the season under our belt. Um, The senior players really stood up in that game. I think we walked away from the Collingwood game a little bit disappointed with how it unfolded and how we played. Um, We definitely went away from our structure and how we would have liked to have played. So to come out against Geelong and to sort of answer back and prove to ourselves that we have got it in us to play the way that we want to play um, was really, really great. And Hopefully we can take that momentum into this weekend, into the Pride game against Western Bulldogs. But to finally be playing again is really, really exciting. It's been an extra long pre-season with mm. the season being pushed back another month. So to get through the pre-season was, a, um, I suppose, a triumph in itself. And then, yeah, to be playing is just, it's really, really fun to be out there again. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people realise what actually happened with the preseason. So are you able to go through with us a little bit about the changes that were all made kind of, you know, as you were going through preseason, which is something that's kind of unheard of, I guess, in an AFL sense. I guess the AFLW has always been a little bit, um, you know, thrown under onto the rocks a little bit with late changes and, and fixture um, moving everything around, but yeah, are you able to just let everyone know what actually happened with preseason? 
Yeah, so our AFLW season was due to start in December, the first week of December, which meant that our pre-season, official pre-season started the first week of September. So we would have enough time to obviously, I think we have 12 weeks to be ready for round one, but then halfway through October, I think we were told that the season was going to be pushed back a month, which would obviously add an extra month onto pre-season. So we've gone from having a three-month pre-season, or if you include the pre-pre-season before that, you've almost had a six-month pre-season into playing our game starting in January. So that extra four weeks, as great as it was to get an extra four weeks of fitness under your belt, it sort of prolonged the pre-season, which is definitely the hardest part of the year. So um, looking forward to this year, hopefully we can start in December 1st again, or the first weekend of December. But the great thing about AFLW is I feel like the community and that the teams are quiet, flexible. Half has a special saying that he says to us all the time and everything is subject to change. And that is proof through the AFLW season. We were meant to be playing Brisbane on the weekend and we mm -hmm. found out on Thursday night that we're playing Geelong in Geelong. So two days out, we find out we're playing a completely different opponent. So I think that's a great thing about AFLW players is we're quite flexible and we're ready to sort of play and do whatever we need to do, especially to get the season going and get the season played to its highest integrity yeah I definitely think um we've brought up the Geelong game a little bit and that's like you said perfect example of how you just have to be flexible and go with the flow but a couple of things to come out of that Geelong game that is pretty hard to ignore is the performance of your captain Karen Harrington and I you know, I saw her go near the ball and then my nerves just like went away because I just knew that she's got full control of what she's doing. What's it like playing with a player like that where you can almost have full confidence every time she goes near the ball that her role is, her role's like filled. You don't have to worry, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. Kezi's just, Kezi's one of a kind. You, what she puts on the field is also what she does at training. So just she puts in 100% in everything that she does and credit to her she does all the hard work and it shows in every game that she plays and for fans sitting there if they feel relaxed once she gets the ball imagine playing with her it's pretty it's pretty special when she does get the ball you sort of you know that you're ready to then attack like it's not going to get not much can get past cares so it's it's pretty special to be able to play in a team alongside her and be captained by her yeah I definitely think she's one of the easiest players to watch play football across both codes that you know you've got that security and I guess the combination of her and uh, Mua Lalawifi and also Charlotte Wilson when she eventually makes a return I know that those three have such great chemistry back there and it's very sound defense which must give you guys a lot of confidence um, and I guess the other story to come out of that game against Geelong is definitely Maddie and Georgie the Press Parkers battle which is something that you know, the AFLW community has been, you know, very vocal about, but as a supporter and as uh, someone watching on, what was it like to just, I guess, have a front row seat to that show and not to hear the commentary because the commentary definitely, you know, amped it up, but just be able to watch it and, you know, the two sisters go at it at such talent and at such a young age. What was that like? Oh, it was great. The Press Parkers Cup is going to be played for years and years and years to come because the two of them are only going to get better each year. Um, they're so they're both so classy. 
they both bring different attributes to the game as well, um, which is just unbelievable that sisters can be as talented and as skillful as they are. But also just the support they have and the love that they have for each other. Like obviously, obviously you saw when Georgie went down, Maddie was the first one to run over to see if she was okay. So that just shows the person that Maddie is as well. So as important as football is, um, family is more important as well. So to see them both going at it against each other, to have a little bit of competition was just phenomenal. But then to see the love and support and everything and admiration they have for each other after the game is probably more incredible to see. Yeah, it was. It would have been incredible just to be there. Um, like I said, I was in isolation, so I couldn't make my way down the highway. But um, just to even be able to watch it on TV and, like you said, to, to watch Maddie go and support Georgie when she absolutely got smashed in the face, that was, um, yeah, something that was really lovely to watch as a supporter and I'm sure as a teammate as well. Um, now, I don't want to keep you for too much longer, but I would love to have a little bit of an inside knowledge on uh, which teammate do you find the most annoying? <laughs> the most annoying? Ooh. It'd be hard between Mads and Greg, I reckon. <laughs> Mads and Greg, the two of them together. I put G in there as well. They're like a little tripod and they're always playing some sort of a prank. So it would be tough between the three of them. Lucy McAvoy would be up there as well. We, Lucy and I are next to each other on a locker. So a lot of the time, one of our doors is opened on the other person. So it's it would be hard. But we're such a close group. Um, we spend a lot of time together. So there's no one that really gets on anyone's nerves or anything like that. It's just, it's all um, fun and game. So definitely. <laughs> definitely. I reckon Kez would say that I'm the annoying one. So <laughs> Yeah. No, it is um, good to get that little bit of inside knowledge, all, all fun and games, as you say. But um, no, I can see the three of them just having a lot of energy all the time. And that's probably enough to to get under some people's skin for sure. Um, well, I just wanted to thank you so much for your time and sitting down with me and being my first official player interview on the After the Siren podcast. Uh, like, you don't know how much help this is to me and I really hope that I've been able to provide you with a platform with anything you wanted to share um, and uh, if there was anything else you wanted to finish on the floor is yours just thank you so much for having me it's an honor to be here thank you so much enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed talking to Lauren she had so much insight so much knowledge and just it was so open in sharing everything about her experience with AFLW which was a really positive experience and I'm glad I got to hear all about it now just a reminder again if you would like to follow us on social media we do have an account on Twitter which is after the siren underscore an account on Instagram which is after the siren podcast and an account on TikTok which is after the siren pod you can also follow my Instagram at Nisha Hapel and my Twitter also at Nisha Hapel where I share a lot more live updates while I'm watching games 
And remember, guys, if you want to send in your top footy moment, please do that to the Instagram account. I can't wait to see and read what you guys have thought about all the games on the weekend. And I will see you all for another amazing episode next week. Bye, guys. Bye.